this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. It's great that you joined us in this episode. We've been in a series from the Gospel of John entitled, Behold Your God. We are nearing the end of it, but today, in this episode, we're calling that Best Day Ever because we talk about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been following along, or perhaps you know your New Testament pretty well, you know that the Lord has been betrayed, He's been tried, He's been uh, condemned, scourged, beaten, crucified. He was certified to be dead on the cross by the Roman soldiers, and He was buried in a garden tomb that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. So Jesus, up until this point, in this chapter here in John 20, just prior to this, Jesus is dead. And we call this the best day ever because, let's face it, mankind from one end of the earth to the other has one common problem. We are all born sinners. We inherit that sin nature because Adam and Eve fell in the garden. The book of Genesis in the Bible, the very first book, explains that. So since we're all born with a sin nature and we sin because that's who we are, we are justly deserving of punishment. We owe a debt for that sin that we cannot ever pay. The only way it could ever be paid is if someone paid that debt for us, but they themselves would have to be sinless. There is no one like that except the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, everybody owes a death. And if there is someone that is sinless that can die in our place and pay the price satisfy the justice against our sin and they rise again from the dead and can give us eternal life just like they have, that person would be putting into motion the best day ever. Now the interesting thing about the resurrection of Christ, even though it was the best day ever and the angels worshiped, It it was simply the, the greatest day imaginable because it made it possible for people who trust Jesus Christ, who He is and what He did on the cross, it enables those people to be forgiven and to receive eternal life and live with Him forever. Now you would think that if that was what had just happened, and it was, you would think that the disciples would be the most excited people on the planet. But that's not what we find. Let's go to John chapter 20. And I know if you're not real familiar with the resurrection story of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're probably thinking, what? How could he rise from the dead and the disciples not be elated and celebrating it as the best day ever? You want to know why? They didn't know, amazingly, 
They just didn't seem to understand that he was going to rise again the third day, just as he had prophesied. And they did not understand that he had, in fact, done that. Well, let's go to John 20, verse 1. And we're going to see Jesus and the tomb. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Now let's stop right there. Jesus and the tomb. The tomb had a problem. The tomb's job was to keep everybody that was put into it, right? Well, Jesus was dead, and he was placed in that tomb three days before. But now, the the stone across the entrance to that sepulcher, that tomb, it was it was out of place. It was moved away. It was moved quite a ways away. We know from other writings outside the Bible that it would have taken about 20 men to move a stone of that size. So this stone is taken away from the sepulcher. So when you think of Jesus in the tomb, the tomb has a problem. It has not done its job. It has not been able to keep the Lord Jesus Christ. But when Mary Magdalene goes to that tomb and she sees that stone taken away, I want to ask you a question. Did she immediately celebrate the resurrection of Christ? No. She was troubled. This had been an excruciating weekend from Friday to Sunday morning, the first day of the Jewish week. And things have just, they've now just gone from bad to worse. Oh man, the body of Jesus is missing. And you know, I want you to think about something. The stone was not rolled away so Jesus could come forth from the tomb because the stone was rolled away by an angel after Christ had risen. The stone was rolled away so that we could go in the tomb and we could see that even though his grave clothes were there, he was not there. And Mary did not celebrate that. So the tomb had a problem, but let's go, uh, let's continue further. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, and remember that's John who wrote this gospel, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. 
For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now I want to ask you a question. It says that John believed. What did he believe? Well, verse 9 seems to indicate that he didn't believe he rose from the dead. That doesn't seem to be what it means. He just believed that the body was gone. And verse 10, Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Now the angels really really put their finger on the problem like a doctor does when you does it hurt here? <laughs> and they ask her, Why why weepest thou? In other words, to the angels they knew that their creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, had conquered sin, hell, death, and the grave, and it was the best day ever, the most exciting day, because now lost people who trust Jesus could be redeemed. Woman, why weepest thou? She was in overwhelming grief. Now I'm going to tell you a true story. When my father passed away after surgery, it was about 11 days later, very unexpectedly, my mother was so overwhelmed with grief that she was a heart patient that she was hospitalized. We literally had to bring her directly from the hospital, uh, you know, they let her out of the hospital, and she came from the hospital to my father's funeral, truly overwhelmed with grief. And Mary must have been the same way, that the Lord Jesus Christ not only had been crucified and buried, he was dead, but now his body is missing because the tomb had not done its job, Right? So we see Jesus and Mary Magdalene here. Now, this we're about to see the first of three recorded appearances of Jesus Christ on the day of the resurrection, that first day. We're going to see his, his appearance to Mary Magdalene, and then we'll see his appearance to the ten disciples, minus Judas, obviously, but also minus Thomas. And we're going to see his appearance to, uh, we actually, we don't see that in this chapter, but we know from the other Gospels on this same day that the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to two disciples on on the road to, to Emmaus, to their home. But we're going to see the first appearance right here. So let's... Let's continue reading in verse verse 14 and see Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And when she has thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Now, we, we see here, and we're going to see it again in John 21, that 
the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection body was still, he was still Jesus, but he was different. And it took people like the gospel, like the apostle John and Mary a moment to realize this was Jesus Christ glorified. And say, well, what was the difference? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us right here. Although when you read what John writes in the book of the Revelation, when he sees Jesus in those visions, Jesus, again, is vastly different than he appeared in his earthly ministry, but he's still Jesus Christ. So anyway, you can do your own study on that. It's quite interesting. Jesus saith unto her, verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Same question as the angels, right? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Remember, this was a borrowed tomb. It was uh, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. So maybe she thought that they had moved the body, you know, because it had been placed there almost in an emergency status because the bodies were removed from the cross on Friday so hastily. Remember that? So maybe she thought they put him in a, a different grave, a permanent grave. Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. So we see Jesus and Mary Magdalene. She was overwhelmed with grief, but suddenly realizes that Jesus Christ is resurrected. Truly the best day ever. In verses 19 to 23, we're going to see Jesus and the ten disciples. That is, Judas, of course, has committed suicide. He, uh, as a betrayer of Christ, the betrayer of Christ, he has gone to his own place, the New Testament teaches us, and Jesus had already predicted that he would be lost, and even mentioned that in his high priestly prayer in John 17. So Judas is not saved. We are not going to see Judas in heaven. He is not a sympathetic figure who just kind of got it wrong, but he, he realized his error. He died in his sin because he loved money and not Jesus Christ. Judas is gone. But also, when we see Jesus appear for the first time to the disciples, not even Thomas is there. 
All right, so let's go to verse 19. Then the same day, what, what same day? The same day that Jesus Christ rose again victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Resurrection day. The, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now, a couple of things I want to make a, a, a remark about here on. The disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Now, I've read that and heard that multiple times, as you probably have. But I realized this week that not only had the, the Jewish religious leaders crucified Christ, and possibly they feared being put, it, being put to death as well, but... This kind of hit me here today or yesterday thinking about it. They could have probably, probably were. I mean, we know this was a rumor that was spread. So it was said by the Jewish religious leaders that, that the disciples had stolen the body of Jesus. They even bribed the guards of Rome, the Roman soldiers, to say that very thing. So... They were hiding out because now the disappearance of the body of Jesus was being pinned on them and they had not taken the body of Jesus. I mean, this has just got to be a tough day for the disciples because they do not yet realize or believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now I want you to think about this just a minute. All the disciples had deserted Christ in the garden, right? Peter had done even more by, by denying Christ, not once, not twice, but three times, what would a resurrected Jesus have to say to them? He certainly could have been angry with them, but he wasn't. When he appeared in, the, in their midst, in that upper room, and by the way, he came through the door, so the body of Jesus, although it is Jesus, his glorified body is not, knows no barriers. Wow. Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now, for them, it was the best day ever. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, 
they are retained. So we see Jesus and the ten disciples, and he gives them physical proof of his resurrection. He had a literal physical body, but it was not exactly like his physical body in his earthly ministry, but it was a real body. It had uh, the ability to eat. He ate with them. He ate food. And yet that body could pass through a locked door. And he he wished, and not wish, but, but con, uh, what's the word? Conferred upon them peace. And he breathed and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So now they were in the first stages of being empowered by God to be his witnesses. Something life transforming happened that night where those ten disciples were gathered. Because from this point forward, you will begin to see an increasingly different attitude from those disciples, especially Peter and John. And there's no other explanation for it than that they knew that all their problems were truly solved. Think about it. No matter what happens in this life, you could have the worst day ever. And it doesn't matter. Because even if you died on the worst day ever, not only in Christ are your sins forgiven if you're trusting Christ, but also death cannot hold you. When a believer in Christ passes from this life to the next, as Paul says later in the New Testament, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We are immediately in the Lord's presence when we die as believers in Christ. You know, when you think about it, it's like nothing can really happen to me. No matter what happens down here, it's not permanent. Death cannot hold me. And Paul says that the troubles that we go through here, you just can't compare it with what God has waiting for us in heaven. If you were to pass away unexpectedly in a car accident today and you're truly trusting Christ as Savior and Lord, you would immediately be in the presence of Christ. No matter what the world the flesh and the devil throw at you, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Best day ever. That's my take on it. And that's how the disciples began to look at this. It didn't matter now what the Jews did to them or the Romans or anybody else. Satan couldn't touch them. The world system could not touch them. They were home free, baby. All they had to do was go through the doorway of death or if the Lord comes first in the rapture of the church, you know, if we think of the age in which we live, if we don't die before that and the Lord comes first, we're immediately in the Lord's presence. Best day ever. Write that down. Bury it under a rock. 
I mean, that is truth that will endure right there. And then we see Jesus and Thomas. Now, Thomas was not with the disciples uh, at the, when he first saw them on that uh, Sunday night. I don't know where he was, but he wasn't with them. And there's a reason that we have a, a, uh, an adjective attached to Thomas's name. What do we call him? Doubting Thomas, right? And it's well-deserved. And Christ does not let him slide on this doubt, as we shall see, Jesus and Thomas. Now let's go to verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, and that word means twin, so he, he must have had a twin brother or sister. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Wow. <laughs> it's like he's saying, I want the proof. And, and the disciples are almost saying back, you can't handle the proof. And the Lord is going to give him the proof he says he needs. I like what Josh McDowell, the Christian defender of the faith, said so many years ago. He basically said this, in essence, that he was glad that Thomas was not present on that first night and that Thomas uh, wanted proof because that's where a lot of people are. They, they need proof. They want proof. Now, Thomas was a little bit on over, in overdrive on that. And he's going to be challenged about that by the Lord. I want you to know. And we're about to see that. Let's go to verse 26. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Now, how Thomas, Thomas must have thought, how does he know I said that? Because... Jesus is God. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. He worshiped Jesus. And by the way, that's, that's a proof right there that Jesus is God. Because when Thomas worships him as his Lord and his God, Jesus does not tell him, don't do that. Jesus receives that worship because Jesus Christ is God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. 
Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now he's talking here not about the other disciples because they saw the risen Lord. Who's he talking about, Pastor Ed? Uh, If you're a believer in Jesus today, that would be you. You would be among the millions that have not personally seen the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, and yet you have believed in Him as your Savior and Lord. Best day ever. You are blessed. You are blessed in a way that Thomas was not. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. Now, we don't know what those were, but whatever He did just nailed down and sealed their confidence and faith in Him that He was indeed Jesus Christ and He was risen from the dead and He is God. Now, John sums up this chapter this way. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. So that brings us to Jesus and you. You see, if you are not yet a believer in Christ, then you have the Bible. Say, well, I don't know much of the Bible. You have just listened to enough of the Bible to trust Christ. So we have the Bible, particularly the New Testament. And now you might say, well, I've heard that. I even heard what you said today, Pastor Ed. Well, the next step is belief. Have have you believed in Christ? Well, I don't know. What does that mean? Well, a chair is a good illustration. You see, I can see a chair several feet away and say, well, no, that, that there is a chair. Probably, you know, people are telling me if I, if I put all my weight on it, it will hold me up and I can have rest. But I haven't actually done that. But, you know, people speak pretty well of it. You know what? You can kind of keep going through that cycle there and never actually know personally what you're talking about. You've heard the chair will hold you up, but you've never committed yourself to the chair. You're at the point where it's time to place your full weight on that chair. Place your full trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that you're not going to depend on the good works you've been trying to do or living a good life or doing more good deeds than bad. Every The best we could possibly do is wretched before God. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. We have to be, here's the third B, Bible belief. We have to be born again. And that is something God does for us. When we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then He saves us. He comes to live in us. And because He is life, we have life. We have eternal life. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing 
ye might have life through his name. Let me put it a different way. Let's move from the chair analogy where you, you need to go ahead and sit and put your weight on that chair. Let's say that you walk into a dark room. It's night. You walk into a dark room. You're very aware that electricity exists. You've heard people say that if you flip that switch on the wall, that there will be light. The darkness will be driven away and you'll, you'll be able to enjoy the light. Well, you can know all about it, but until you reach out by faith and flip that light switch, you, my friend, will remain in the dark. And it's the same way spiritually. You see, nothing like what we just read in John 20 ever happened to, to Buddha or Mohammed or to any religious leader you could possibly name. All of them died and they're still in their graves somewhere. Only Jesus Christ is proven to have come forth from the grave. And yet there will be millions in hell who heard about this but did not believe in Christ. I don't want you to be among them. I want you, if you're not yet a Christian, to be among the millions in heaven who heard of Jesus and believed in him your sins were forgiven and you received eternal life. I want you to imagine that resurrection morning, the best day ever. It becomes known that the body of Jesus is not in that tomb. And the Roman soldiers basically admitted, we lost the body. You what? We lost the body. We didn't see anybody steal it. We don't know what happened. All we saw were angels and we passed out. We, Rome says, we lost the body. The Jewish religious leaders said, oh boy, we have a problem. So now the, Roman, the Romans don't have the body of Christ. So well, how do you know? If they'd have had it, they would have shown it. The Jews don't have the body of Christ. If they had had it, like Josh McDowell says, they would have put the, the dead body of Jesus on a cart, paraded that body through Jerusalem, and that would have been the end to the whole Christianity routine, right? Right? I mean, am I right? Of course I'm right. Well, the Romans didn't produce a body, and the Jews didn't produce a body. The best they could come up with, and they even bribed the Roman guards, is say that the disciples stole the body. So they began to accuse the disciples of stealing the body. Well, obviously, when Mary came to the tomb and Peter and John came to the tomb, and I'm sure the other disciples did too at some point, when people came to that tomb, they're saying, we didn't steal the body. We thought he was still dead. We thought you moved him. We don't know where he is. <laughs> I want you to think about this. Right about now, that means that the Romans and Jews are thinking, well, if they don't have his body, and we don't have his body, where is Jesus? Jesus Christ rose again the third day, 
and is victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. If you trust Him, your sins are forgiven and you will receive eternal life. He will come and live His life through you. And when your earthly life is over, you will live with Him forever in heaven. If you have questions about whether you have ever done that, or you need some help in doing that, write down this very important number that I'm about to give you. I'm going to say it twice. 888-537-8720. One more time. 888-537-8720. If you call during business hours uh, in the United States, let's say roughly 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, if you call during that time when those people are at their office, you can talk with someone about how to become a Christian. If you have spiritual questions, you can receive help at this phone number. If you need more information, in order to give your life to Christ. They will help provide that information to you. If you have a spiritual question, you can also email me, pastoredhill at gmail.com, pastoredhill at gmail.com. Well, this truly, as we've seen, truly is the best day ever. And I hope that you are placing your full faith and trust in Christ, just like sitting on that chair or flipping that light switch, that you are trusting Christ. And I hope also for believers who are listening today that your faith has just been strengthened in Christ and that you will walk in the peace and be His witness in this world. Well, I thank you for joining us today on this week in the word please help me share uh, this podcast with others tell them they can find it at www.dredhill.podbean.com dr no period after the dr dr e d h i l l dot p o d b e a n dot com dr edhill.podbean.com they can also find me on iTunes or whatever Apple has now and Google Play and hey the hey the simple way is just type it on the phone or the laptop, the iPad, the desktop, whatever. Find us that way. Share the news. Maybe others will listen and come to Christ and grow in their walk with him. Thanks again so much for listening. Next week in our next episode we will conclude the Gospel of John in John chapter twenty one. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.